0: Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk.
1: On today's show, we're going to take you on a road trip. We'll be visiting all sorts of archives and museums throughout Manitoba this summer, and today is the very first road trip that we're taking over to the Ivan Franco Museum here in Winnipeg. We'll go on a guided tour through the museum and learn all about the great Ukrainian and his contribution to history.
0: Staying with the museum theme, we're also going to be speaking with Deborah Fair from the Manitoba Museum. The famous non-such has been updated and we're going to learn all about the relaunch of the incredible exhibit that's kicking off this Friday.
1: And lastly, we're going to tell you all about the upcoming Manitoba Filipino Street Fest. Our very own Sonny Primolo sat down with Lei Navarro, the chairman of the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival, happening June 9th and 10th, in the Maples Multiplex and Grounds. He'll tell us a little bit about the Filipino culture and give us the inside scoop on what to expect.
0: We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC 360. Nolan and Rob coming at you today. Rob, how are you doing?
1: Doing not too badly, Nolan. How are you doing today? Do I sound any different to you? Uh, you got maybe a little bit of a cold. Mm, ah, I, was on. Hoping
0: it not, I was hoping it wouldn't come through. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm a little bit stuffy, little stuffy, a little under the weather. Well, I'll just try not bad. to breathe in your direction so you don't catch it either.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Luckily, you can't catch disease through the radio waves. So all of our listeners out there, you're free. You can just... Pull up nice and close to the radio and enjoy our beautiful voices. <laughs> maybe I'll just do as little talking as I possibly can today, so I don't gross people out with my nasally weirdness. But oh well,
1: maybe. But there is lots to talk about. Actually, That's true. today it's a cool we're show. focusing on museums, and uh, today actually marks the start of our new road trip segment, which we're really excited about. We're going to be visiting different Manitoba archives and museums all throughout the summer. Um, we've got road trips planned all across manitoba some in winnipeg um but they all what they all have in common is that there are some amazing stories about our history and the collective history of our province so we're really excited to uh take you to some places that uh maybe you've heard about but didn't know too much about and maybe some new places that you didn't even know we're here right here in Manitoba that you could go visit for yourself. Um, today on our road trip, we didn't go too too far. Uh, we actually went to the north end of Winnipeg and visited the Ivan Franco Museum, and uh, that was a chance for us to learn all about the poet, writer and political activist.
0: Yeah, it was kind of cool. Speaking of things that I I wasn't aware that this uh, museum existed, it's yeah, kind of neither a was real, I. It was a real hidden gem, and they have some really cool stuff. There's instruments and carvings, and like a giant horn that they used to blow in the in the uh, mountainous regions of Ukraine. In it was the Carpathia Mountains. It, it, yeah, that, that's the word I was looking for. Well done. Yeah, really cool stuff, and we got to go on a tour from our three lovely tour guides, Brent Stearns, Lily Stearns, and Lucy Nicolishan. Uh, They were excellent guides through the museum and showed us some incredible paintings, like I said, carvings, there was instruments, some cool clothing, and and some uh, really interesting costumes, and tons of literature that Ivan himself had wrote or translated. Um, So, really excited to kick off the road trip, but we always start River City 360 with a song, so what have we got today, Robert?
1: Well, we're going to start off with uh, Hugo Strasser with When You're Smiling, right here on River City 360. Thank <music> you. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today and we are going to take you on a road trip.
0: On today's road trip we're visiting the Ivan Franco Museum to learn all about the poet, the writer, the political activist, and everything else that this Ukrainian accomplished in his great life. So let's all go
1: on our road trip to the Ivan Franco Museum.
2: I'm Lily Stearns, I'm a, I'm a member of the board of Ivan Franko Museum. The first room that we're entering really illustrates the social and economic conditions that concerned Ivan Franco. The poverty, the oppression, the Borislav paintings over here were illustrating the industrialization that was taking place. and. He always was concerned about oppression. This was a favorite theme of his, whether it was oppression by the landowners who took advantage of the people, or particularly the, I call them the oil fields because I don't exactly know what they were mining. But I think the process is the same. They sent shafts down there, and there were terrible conditions. People lost their lives in there, but people were expendable. And in a way, this is why Franco resonated among the Ukrainian-Canadian immigrants, because they saw people who worked on the railroads or in the mines or in the factories. They lost a leg, lost an arm they were expendable, they didn't have workers' compensation, and speaking broadly, I think this is why Ivan Franco appealed to the immigrants. He, he dealt with those kinds of themes that the people read about, and this is why Franco was so popular. So describe some of these um, paint, beautiful paintings that we're seeing, oil paintings, are they all originals? Their are original copies. This is one of our favorites. Lucy, do you want to talk about it? This is Lucy Nicolishan.
3: This painting is a farewell. It's showing how people were departing, uh, you know, to, probably to Canada. And you, you'll notice a, a lady's taking some soil with her so that she would be close to her, her Ukraine when she left.
2: I think that this painting would resonate with people of all nationalities. Many people, whether it was on their last trip leaving Ukraine or when they returned as old people my father did that he uh he gathered up soil and he said to us when i die i want to be i want it thrown on my grave so that they died under Ukrainian soil and this isn't just typical of Ukrainians you could you could be from Ireland or from Scotland or from Italy and it's a story of people reluctantly leaving home saying goodbye to their parents uh, and no, not knowing whether they ever come back it's an absolutely beautiful painting it shows the thatched cottages the parents saying goodbye to their son it really resonates beautifully with immigrant experience so it's one of our favorite paintings. They also illustrate something that Franco was very concerned about, and that was the emigration from Ukraine to Canada. You know, it bothered him. He wrote a poem about to immigrants. There's paintings about immigrants leaving in the train station, and many of them hoped to come back. They thought they were going to make a fortune, if not a fortune, money, and they would come back and help their families. Most of them did not. They could not. For example, many of them came in the 20s and 30s, the worst possible time to come to Canada. Uh, They lost their jobs, they couldn't find jobs, they were threatened with deportation. So rather than coming home with pockets filled with gold, they never came home. And our archives are filled with the stories of these people who lamented the fact that they left mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and often fiancées, never saw them again Uh, It it was a terrible tragedy. But I I want to stress how universal Franco was because this happened to many nationalities. And that's what's so wonderful about Franco is he told a story of people and he was very concerned with humanity. For our listeners who haven't heard of Ivan Franco, who
0: could speak to just a sort of general uh, summary of his life and his accomplishments?
4: Uh, I'm Brent Stearns. I'm uh, on the board of the uh, museum as well. He was born in um, 1856. He died in 1916. Before the First World War, he he was born in uh, what what is now Western Ukraine, what was then the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The uh, conditions in the um, agricultural villages of the Austro-Hungarian Empire were very primitive. Uh, There was deep poverty in the area, and he was always concerned that uh, his uh, people, well, they were Ukrainians or they they were called sometimes Ruthenians, and he was concerned that their condition be bettered. And he thought that the way to better their condition was to change the structure of the world. He wanted to change the world. Revolutionary. Well, he he may have—he had a revolutionary spirit. There's one of his poems— it's called the a spirit of revolt. Whether he was a revolutionary or not in his uh, early life, uh, in his later life, he was at what I think you would call a social democrat. He wanted to work through um, politics. He wanted to work through the law. He was not out to uh, upset the governmental structures in his later years. And this inspired the immigrants who came to Canada in, say, 1891 to 1914. It inspired them to form a social democratic party in Canada to work within the structures to um, express the, the revolutionary spirit they felt in their minds.
0: And so, what is the museum celebrating?
2: I think it's celebrating his life and work. I think pointing out what his philosophy was. Uh, you know, Brent talked about Franco as a revolutionary, and you'll find that in his particular particularly in his poems, as you go through the museum, it's sort of, you know, break your chains, rise up. And that was a constant theme of Chef And I think that would resonate with people. Uh, it wasn't necessarily take guns or arms. It was free yourselves. Don't don't allow yourselves to be oppressed. Well, let's take a walk.
0: So this first room is a lot of paintings and we see a lot of quotes and poetry. What, what's in the second uh, wing here, we could call it? I see some instruments on the wall.
3: They're Ukrainian folk instruments. There's a bandura, which is a bass base bandura, the large one. And then a, just a regular bandura. There's a kobza. There's a cymbal, which they're lying flat. Okay. Yeah. You play with two little sticks. There's a surma, which is an oboe type of instrument. Uh, there's a, a dremba, which you play with your with your tongue. You put it in your mouth and you pluck at it.
2: Where did these all come from?
3: I would say most of them came from the Ukraine.
2: They're very beautiful. They're the carvings, for example, you see in this bandura. I don't think it's
3: tuned. No, it's not tuned.
2: Oh, and we've also got a, a boobin. That's sort of like a drum. Anyhow, this room also. Shows you what was really amazing about Francois. He was so many things. He wrote poetry, he wrote essays, he wrote plays, but he translated. I mean, I don't know if any of you have tried translating a poem from another language. It's so difficult. I mean, look at what he translated Byron, he translated Shelley, Burns, Dante. He translated from the Greek, Homer, Sophocles, Mark Twain. It just staggers the mind. His range was incredible. And he wanted Ukrainians to be educated. He thought they'd, and this was a, a common theme with Shevchenko, was educate yourselves don't allow yourselves to be ignorant. And of course, a a common theme of Shevchenko was study other nationalities, but cherish your own too. And that was so true of Franco. As you look at all those people that he translated, it was a prodigious output. I think I read somewhere that he wrote over 5,000 pieces of of, uh, literature. Really incredible. So in seeing
1: uh, these musical instruments here, was Franco also a lyricist?
4: In
2: the Ukrainian choir,
4: in which we, we all sing, there are some songs that uh, were the words, you know, were written by uh, Franco, music by somebody else. The, the poetry that is involved in these songs is very difficult for me. I'm, a, I'm an English speaker, and I don't know much Ukrainian. And I think if you want to get an idea of Franco, what, what I read mainly is translations of his short stories and also of his narrative poems, the longer ones that tell a story. He depicts Moses as a kind of revolutionary hero that uh, helped uh, the uh, Hebrew uh, slaves escape their slavery and go toward a better world, you know. Moses was an image of what he wanted to be himself. And uh, so if you read that English translation of that poem, you get a pretty good sense
2: of um, what he's meaning to say. He did write love poems and they're very beautiful. They're very layered. And it's very hard to translate poetry because they're images that just simply don't translate. They're nuances to a word and you you know, you need three words in English to, to describe it. But if you read it in Ukrainian they're absolutely gorgeous, they're really beautiful.
0: You are listening to River City 360's Road Trip, we are taking a tour of Winnipeg's Ivan Franco Museum with board members Lily Stearns, Brent Stearns, and Lucy Nicolishan. When we come back, we're going to learn more about the Ivan Franco Museum, about the collections within, and learn about why it's important to our community. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after our next song, which is Doris Day, I Could Write a Book right here on River City 360.
5: If they ask me Book about the way you walk and whisper and look. I could write. Is just to tell them that I love you.
1: To River City 360 Robert and Nolan here with you today and as we mentioned earlier before the break we are on a road trip kicking off our new segment where we visit and learn more about museums and archives across Manitoba and uh, of course our first installment finds us at the Ivan Franco Museum in Winnipeg's North End which features artifacts artwork and much more related to the life and ideas of Ivan Franco a celebrated Ukrainian author philosopher and political activist so let's rejoin the tour this is the only museum devoted to him outside of Ukraine. Why Winnipeg? Why? Where does Winnipeg factor into this?
4: Winnipeg used to be the center of social democratic um, Ukrainian activity in, in, in Canada. The Ukrainian labor temple is right next door. And uh, th- that, that was built by, uh, what would you say, left-wing leaning, uh, socialist leaning, uh, Ukrainian immigrants. Not all Ukrainian immigrants were of this frame of mind, but a lot were. And the ones that were, were um, inspired by Franco in the old country and
2: his, uh, Franco's colleagues. I also think that you should take into account the impact that uh, Franco's writing had on the people here. and indirectly, in an ironic way, influenced people of the north end of Winnipeg. I mean, he was talking to them, uh, those people working on the railway or working in the factories or Vulcan Iron or anywhere, Uh, what he spoke of was oppression, terrible working conditions, and that carried on. It was sort of even part of the social gospel movement that took root with Woodsworth and the CCF. Douglas, all of them, they adopted the same ideas, not from Francois, but it all kind of came together in North End Winnipeg, and that's why they elected people like Joe Zuc and and Jacob Penner and Kalisnik and others. It, It spoke to their souls. This particular painting is Ivan Franco reading uh, to Laville workers about political economy. Franco had read Marx and Engels translated them. I don't know how much of Marxism he adopted. Um, certainly he did want to change the economic structure of the world. He saw people exploited. Personally he got absolutely nowhere. He ran for office three times he wasn't defeated they just didn't allow him to serve he was not very popular in that part of ukraine that was part of the austro-hungarian empire so he never really got anywhere as a politician he did his phd on a indian writer of all things uh to do with Buddha, I'm not quite sure what the title of it is, but he, you know, he was amazing as a as a poet and as a writer. He was highly educated. I mean, he has actually had his PhD. He was an incredible man of the world. But politically, you see in this painting, people are listening to him. And throughout the museum, you'll see paintings of him talking to students. This particular painting illustrates his uh, arrest. He was arrested three times, sent to prison for his writing, had done nothing but write, And he was uh, there, it shows him on the highway on the way home, and there's a gendarme behind him. The other painting shows him his trial, he's on trial. And the painting evokes, uh, I mean mean, the painter makes this guy look so ugly and so opposed to him. They're they're paintings that are very expressive and that one shows he's not going to win. He was
3: imprisoned and the prison guard was taking him from one village to another. He was very ill and they wouldn't give him anything to eat. He found some coins on the road and he, he bought whatever he could with that food. And then they located him and they brought him back to the village to face some consequences of uh, his speaking out, uh, you know, for the people and found out that there were no charges laid. So all this time they were taking him back and forth uh, during a period of time when he was very ill.
0: Just because his writings were... Considered a danger to society.
2: Danger to the crown, to the to the, to the powers that be. Yeah, that's right. He died. I think he was he was about fifty, wasn't that right, Lucy? Was it sixty? He was in terrible health. The, the years in prison took a toll. He couldn't find employment. He couldn't find a teaching position, despite the fact that he had a Ph.D. and he was so brilliant. So it was not a, a good life. Let's keep on walking through here. There's a lot of folk art in this room, uh, a lot of ceramics, beautiful glassware, there's wood carving. In the other room you saw a mannequin dressed in a Hutzul outfit. There's another male mannequin here and that was sort of typical of the area where Franco grew up at the base of the Carpathian Mountains. Uh, So there are more illustrations here of Franco's life. There's more of a focus on his latter years, his funeral, his, there's a death mask on the corner, um, So this is a little, in some ways, a little sadder room. Uh, but it also has these very poignant, marvelous uh, plaques up on the wall that sort of still continue the theme of uh, rise up and make a better world. There's a a marvelous, I think, translation, and it really expresses Franco's philosophy. Um, People, people, I am your brother. I have dedicated my life for you to relieve you of your sorrow. I would give my heart's blood, and what blood cannot eradicate we will destroy with fire. To struggle is to live. Vive memento, to live. It does speak to the revolutionary kind of like
0: rise up, the the lower the lower class and take over, you know? Like, don't allow yourselves to be oppressed.
2: It pleases me that so many more people, whether it's women or young people, are starting to take charge. For example, the shootings down in the States with these young people marching to Washington and saying, enough, how much more can we take? And that, in essence, expresses Yvonne Francois.
1: In the exact same spirit.
2: Absolutely.
1: He has such a diverse body of work, but are there any signature Poems or signature literary works that he uh, that he wrote that you might be able to name a couple of.
2: Well, I think of the one uh, Camagnard, It's translated as *The Stone Cutter* or *Pavers of the Way*. Uh, it's a it's not a terribly long poem. It's been translated into English, and I think it it, it in fact it's symbolic in a way of Franco. Uh, it uses a metaphor of people who are in chains and they are faced with a large stone, perhaps a small mountain, and they are ordered with, to break it with their axes. And it's a metaphor for obstacles, for human obstacles to human life. And the, the poem, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, you know, don't rest until this stone is, is broken. And it's, it's called Pavers of the Way, but it really is typical of Ivan Franco. It sums up his life and his philosophy.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the museum because it was actually established a century after the birth of Franco to celebrate him. Can you speak to the history of this museum here in in the city?
2: Well, it started out in a house on Pritchard Avenue and it was full of paintings that were donated by the Society for uh, Cultural Relations with Ukrainians. And so most of these paintings uh, came from Ukraine. There are some uh, private donations. Uh, the museum is run by volunteers. We have a board. We uh, exist on largely on donations, which uh, are rapidly running out. But we persevere, and we're going to apply for grants. But it's largely run by volunteers, as many museums throughout Canada are run. So uh, we're quite happy, and we're, it's a learning experience for us. And we try to convey that to visitors. And if people want to check out this beautiful collection for themselves, what's the best
1: way to get in touch?
2: They- should call Lily and Brent. 589-4397. That's open four days of the week. There's an answering machine, and they'll be very happy to pass on messages to anybody who wants to come and tour the museum, and we're very happy to arrange for guides.
1: And it's over here at uh, at two hundred McGregor in the North End, connected to the Ukrainian Labor Temple. So you can't really miss it. We'd love to have visitors. All right. Well, thank you so very much for taking us on this this wonderful tour of this museum. It's, it's interesting to discover the works of someone who's new to me, but who has ideas and themes throughout his work that are so um, that are so universal and so poignant, even in today's times.
2: Absolutely, that's very true. Uh, we hope to do um, some poetry readings. In in the future. Uh, We'd love to do that and have people come out and listen to them. Uh, We have a friend who's willing to talk on Ukrainian folk art. So we will be doing that and uh, hopefully we'll be able to publicize them so anybody's interested can come and see them and hear them.
0: Thanks again to Lily Brent and Lucy from the Ivan Franco Museum for the amazing tour and to anyone out there who's curious about the museum, again, you can call 204 five eight nine four three nine seven for more information or to
1: book a tour yourself coming up next we're going to learn about another fantastic museum here in winnipeg the manitoba museum the famous non-such exhibit is undergoing an update and we'll hear all about the new stories that are being told at the museum from deborah fair after our next musical break before we get to that though here is edmundo ross with always in my heart right here on river city 360
6: You are always in my heart Even though you're far away I can hear the music of the song of love I sang with you You were always in my heart And when skies above are gray I remember that you care And then and there the sun breaks through
7: before I go to sleep, there's a rendezvous I keep, and the dream I always meet, does me
6: we forget we're far apart. I don't know exactly when, there, but I'm sure we'll meet again there. And my darling, till we do, you were always in my in my
7: heart even though you're far away i can hear the music of the song of love i sang
6: with you you are always in my
7: heart and when skies above are gray
6: Just before I go to sleep There's a round of who I keep And the dream I always meet Helps me forget We're far apart I don't know exactly when, dear But I'm sure we'll meet
5: again, dear
6: And my darling, till we do
0: Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan McNeil, and I'm now joined in studio by Deborah Fair. She's the Director of Marketing, Sales, and Programs at the Manitoba Museum. Thank you for joining us today.
8: Thanks for having me.
0: We're going to be talking about the Nonsuch, because uh, the gallery is reopening this Friday, tomorrow, uh, June 8th. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Manitoba Museum in general. What do you guys have going on right now, and what's sort of on the docket for the next uh, few seasons coming up?
8: There is so much happening right now, actually. Um, the nonsuch opening is of course just around the corner uh, but we're also celebrating the planetarium's 50th anniversary so we've got laser shows running all summer and all kinds of great programming
0: very cool so the 50th anniversary of that I think the non such was 350th anniversary coming up or what was the dates on that
8: yeah actually this year um, is the 350th anniversary of the non such actually sailing in 1668 to Hudson Bay so in two years it'll be the Hudson's Bay companies 350th anniversary okay. in
0: 2020 cool so for the, like I'm it's kind of a mani- or a Winnipeg staple at least the non-such you know even I'm not from Winnipeg I'm from Russell and uh, came here in grade four or five and <laughs> remember that first awe-inspiring moment of seeing a giant ship in, indoors but for for someone who's been living under a rock and hasn't been there just sort of paint me a picture of what that gallery is like and what you see when you come into and see the Nonsuch.
8: Sure. Yeah. Um, it is a favorite with so many people. And uh, so when you come into the Nonsuch Gallery, uh, you're actually stepping into Deptford, England. You're not in Canada. You're in Deptford, England. And uh, the story that we were telling up until now was that the ship is at port and it's about to set sail for Hudson Bay and the Hudson's Bay Company we all know now is this mighty long-living corporation but really back then the non-such was the first journey to Hudson Bay that proved that the fur trading expedition could work; that they could actually do this. So we like to say it's the little ship that started it all. Wow! So the first,
0: or the the gallery originally had sort of the preparation, but now I'm understanding that in this renewal, it's going to be what it looked like coming back. Right. So, so how, we, what's we've the changed, difference? Yeah,
8: we changed the story. So now the story we tell is that it's one year later. It's 1669. And the nonsuch has just returned from Hudson Bay with so many stories to tell for adventure wintering over in Canada. Yeah.
0: So what are some? Can you give us a sneak peek?
8: <laughs> well, uh, one of the things um, that you'll you'll be able to overhear uh, is uh, there'll be stories that Captain Gillum is telling okay. in the Boar's Head oh, Tavern. Cool. And so you'll be able to sit in the tavern and listen to those stories and the adventures they have.
0: Very cool. So like... What has the the nonsuch meant to the museum, just on a, on a big picture, because it's kind of the crown jewel in a way, and lots it of people it, it, yeah. p- remember the first time <laughs> they saw it, myself included. So what yeah. has that meant over the last, you know, entirety of of the museum's history?
8: Um, the nonsuch uh, came to um, the Manitoba Museum thanks to George Richardson. He was a governor of Hudson's Bay Company and they knew they were going to build this replica to to celebrate the 300th anniversary of hbc and so it was really george richardson that was advocating for it to come to manitoba because we had just built the manitoba museum and so this would be a new wing and so they but they had to bring the ship in and build the gallery up around the ship
0: that's crazy
8: and it has Come to mean so much to Manitobans and to the tourists that come to visit. It's the iconic moment where you feel like you've stepped back in time. You step aboard this ship and you feel like you're actually sailing. What
0: when you probably see kids and and schools and different classes cl- classrooms and stuff come through. What is the reaction of a of a young person when they first walk <laughs> in and see a indoor?
8: It's pretty incredible. Ship. The first thing you notice actually when you start to approach the gallery is is the scent. <laughs> And there is a tar that's used on the rigging that is the cause, it's Stockholm tar. And so you have the scent and so you're immediately your senses are engaged. And you walk up to this the, the, the porch area and, and you can't quite believe that you have to keep looking up, 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 up and up. And you see that the, there's a huge ship there in a way that you had no idea was possible. So it is absolutely awe-inspiring. And and you know what? It was daunting. Dr. Amelia Fay, our curator, she had to um, do major renovations in a gallery that's so well-beloved. Most people are like, what are you changing? Don't change right. anything. Yeah. So uh, how do you make it even better without losing the things that people really love?
0: It's going to be sort of a new generation of, I mean, 35 years ago, or th- 38 years ago, maybe mm-hmm. it would have been, in 1970 since it first was built. Yeah. And how important is it to introduce the next generation of kids to that that story and, and that history.
8: Yeah, it's critical. And really that's what bringing our stories forward is all about. The entire campaign is really recognizing that our galleries need to be updated for the next generation, both in terms of technology and also how we tell our stories. Um, you know the story itself is great but how we tell it is what engages the young people of mm-hmm. today so we got to stay relevant we got to keep updating the museum for the next generation so do
0: you mean relevant sort of digitally like they're yeah. incorporating new technology into it yeah. And stuff? yeah yeah
8: i mean um you go to museums in you know the newer museums today and they use a lot of great wonderful uh techniques with technology to be able to tell stories in new interesting ways for sure and so we needed to look and and see how We are an artifact-based museum, and nothing can replace the experience of seeing an authentic artifact. Or walking
0: onto an authentic artifact, uh, right? Yes, that
8: too. Um, And and our experience and, and what we offer to our community is really based primarily in that experience, but how we tell the stories around that artifact and interpret the artifact for its significance that's where we can use technology to really enliven the story and engage young people
0: and just kind of enhance the process exactly a little bit. Yeah. yeah why is that important to keep our history alive as Manitobans and as Canadians
8: <laughs> well it's really critical I mean if, if you don't understand your, your your mistakes in the past how do you move forward and ensure you don't repeat them you know, it's it's critical that the young people of today are engaged with the history of their province.
0: Just know where we came from. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned bringing our stories forward. It's sort of a long-term renewal prod project for the museum itself. Uh, I understand it's a three kind of pronged or three-tiered approach. Just tell me about the three steps that are happening, and where are we as far <laughs> as how how far are we embarked yeah, on that journey? Yeah, we've
8: got a really big, hairy goal. It's a it's an enormous, beautiful vision for the future. And so there's three steps to that. The first step was the renovation of Alloway Hall. So that's where we have all of our big temporary exhibitions. And so we expanded it, doubled the size, upgraded it in many different wonderful ways. Was
0: there when the dinosaurs were in there? And <laughs> yeah, it was the spectacular. dinosaurs. spectacular, yeah, so cool. Yeah, they were
8: huge. So that exhibition hall was completed on time, on budget, and we were really proud of the uh, dinosaur exhibit that followed. Uh, the second step is where we are right now, and that's bringing our stories forward. And the non-such is just one of the four galleries that are being renewed and we have a brand new Winnipeg gallery that we're also creating. Very so cool. So that's the second step.
0: And then is the next step the Science Center and Community Commons? What's that? Is that yeah. still going on? What's Where are you in that well, process?
8: Well, we're in the conceptual stage mm-hmm. of I've the Science Center. I've seen some of the Center.
0: photo or the concept art and stuff. Yeah. It looks spectacular for sure.
8: It's super exciting and we would love to get there sooner rather than later, but it's all dependent on, on fundraising. Usually and how it goes, so yeah. <laughs> we need the support of our community to be able to finish where we are at right now uh, but then also set our vision on what is that science center gonna look like what is the community commons gonna do for the museum so we're still in conceptual stage for that
0: and do for the people you know it, it, it looked like it would be sort of a hub of celebration of history and science and every, everything that kind of the museum stands for a little
8: bit absolutely like we offer we're, we're really a science and history you know center because we've got the science gallery and the planetarium and so we really need to do a better job um, with, you know, educating our young people in, in STEM. It's critical that this city finally has a proper science center. Mm-hmm. It's, it's our, yeah, it's time. Just
0: to get kids hooked early, and then they can start down that path. The sooner the better, because then they'll Absolutely. learn and start, and then go into those um, faculties when they grow older. And it's just great all the way down the line. Uh, so Friday, June 8th, tomorrow, if you're listening to the show on Thursday or <laughs> yesterday, if you're listening to the show on Saturday, tell me what people are going to see when they come to the uh, when they walk back into the renewal of the Nonsuch.
8: Well, I think they're going to be amazed by the new lighting effects mm. um, that all of your senses are engaged when you enter the the Nonsuch Gallery. We have new lighting. We have new soundscapes.
0: Cool. Um, There's that technology again. Coming it's back that the into technology.
8: It. Yeah, for sure. Um, We we have many wonderful new ways to experience the gallery and then lots of new things to learn about Mm. as well.
0: So how can people find out more information, and when can they uh, get on? When they when they can they walk the <laughs> plank and get onto the ship?
8: Well, you can get on the ship on Friday. Cool. Um, we we are opening officially on Friday. We have the media conference first thing when we open our doors, um, but really um, most people have time to come out on weekends. So this is our big opening weekend, and we just invite all Manitobans to come on down and fall in love with the Nonsuch all over again.
0: Very cool. Well, there's nothing. It's it's truly a Winnipeg tradition and a and a Manitoba and ca- Canadian staple. So if you haven't done it take your kids take your grandkids go yourself it's going to be very cool the nonsuch gallery reopening tomorrow friday june 8th uh and then it, how like it's i guess it's just going to be a permanent fixture right like it is no, yeah.
8: it'll it'll always be open and we are doing marketing throughout the summer and we have special programs planned cool so folks will have lots of opportunity to come and experience it. awesome well thank
0: you so much for talking to us today and telling us all about the reopening deborah fair is the director of marketing sales and programs at the
1: manitoba museum appreciate your time thanks no one Thanks, Nolan. Up next, our very own Sonny Primolo brings us his conversation with Ley Navarro, the chairman of the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival happening June 9th and 10th in the Maples Multiplex and Grounds. We're going to learn more about the Filipino culture being celebrated at the festival as well as find out about all the exciting things that you'll be able to see and take part in this weekend. But before we get to that, here is Nat King Cole with "The Best Thing for You" right here on River City
7: 360. I... Only what what's the best thing for you, and the best thing for you would be me. I've been convinced after thinking it through that the best thing for you would be me. Every day to myself I say, point the way, what will it be? I ask myself, what's the best thing for you? And myself and I seem to agree that the best thing for you would be me. Yes, the best thing for you would be me Yes, the best thing for you would be me Every day to myself I say Point the way, what will it be? Ask myself, what's the best thing for you and myself? And I seem to agree that the best thing for you, yes, the best thing for you would be me.
9: and welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sonny Pomolo and with me today is Manitoba Filipino Street Festival Chairman Lei Navarro. Welcome to the show, Lei.
10: Oh, thank you for having me. The Manitoba
9: Filipino Street Festival started in 2012, correct? That's correct. So this is officially the seventh year of the festival. Seventh year, yes. Awesome. Could you tell our listeners more about what the festival actually is?
10: Well, when we started um, back in 2012, the idea was to get the uh, different um, uh, groups together. Like I don't know if you know, you're Filipino. There are over a hundred different groups within our community. Because the Philippines is composed of eight provinces and seven thousand islands. there's different um, type of festival happening like throughout the country, right? So what we wanted to show here is the way the the people like in the Philippines, the different parts of the country celebrates their their festival.
9: Yeah, and that's very interesting because again, when you speak to people who aren't familiar with the Filipino culture, they think just the galo yes right but even myself my mom yes she spoke the but my dad he spoke Ilkana, okay which is a completely different language and like for the most part, if you spoke to Tagalog, you wouldn't be able to understand the Ilocano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's just very interesting that even with language in one small little country as the size of Philippines, there's just so much different culture. Well, we have
10: over a hundred different dialects. Wow. Like you drive two hours to the south, they speak a different dialect there, two hours to the north, you know. So uh, overall, like here, even here in Winnipeg, we have we have over a hundred organizations who speak uh, different dialects. With that said, the largest percentage of Filipinos
9: in any Canadian city is actually here in Winnipeg, with, a, I believe, around 8.7%, and that's approximately 56,000 people. So if you can imagine, that's a huge amount of Filipinos coming here. Uh, speaking about like maybe some history, when did most of the Filipinos start immigrating to Canada and to Winnipeg? Well,
10: from, from what I, I, I heard, um, it started uh, way back in the 60s. When um, there were doctors who came here, and there were actually teachers from Holland. Oh, That's wow. why there's a group of Hollanders. They call themselves the Holland Group. They meet, they meet every year, and, they, and there's still a lot of them here. Wow.
9: Originally the festival is normally held or was held previously downtown. Uh it is now going to be held in the Maples which is considered the heart of the Filipino community. I know I was raised there. Mm-hmm. So what is the reasons that we moved it to the Maples?
10: Well, we tried downtown for 2 years and it was great. But then the uh, the festival has has grown so big that one day is really not enough for all the activities that we wanted mm-hmm. to to, uh, to show so we decided to move back to the maples where the cost that we incur downtown is actually the same as in the maples but for two days oh wow so we actually have a lot of activities going on for for the next two days wow. i mean for the two days of the festival so speaking of the activities what can people expect when they go well, we start with a cultural parade, and that's, that's the norm, every, every year we do that. So it starts at 10.30, it's a cultural parade, it will start from the corner of Watson and Jefferson, and uh, we'll go all the way to the Maples Multiplex, that's a full two-kilometer walk. Oh wow, I know you have a
9: main stage, like a really big stage that people can focus on, uh, but there's actually events that are happening around the stage. Can you explain what some of those events are?
10: Well, you see, because we are using a, a complex and the multiplex actually is composed of the hockey arena, a community center and, and the entire grounds. So we came up with different activities that, that people can, can really watch and participate to, uh, aside from just watching what's happening on, on the main stage. So we have a, an arm wrestling competition, actually it's Filipino style, and that will be coordinated actually by uh, Councillor Mike Pagtakan. Yeah. And he has been promoting that like all over. We were in Polo Park last week, you know, by uh, uh, asking people to to support it. We also have um, a movie theater that will show uh, three really popular movies, Filipino movies, with subtitles, with subtitles. So it's open for everybody. That will be in the community center, and we also have the Warrior Street games. These are uh, street games that we used to play when we were younger. Oh, many years ago and um, we are going to have an Olympic kind of you know, sort of um, uh, games for this and then we have an all-star volleyball tournament for men and women and we also have the three on three basketball Filipino style. What like, is Filipino style? Well, Fili- Filipino style we all of course we play, we play on the streets right mm-hmm. that sometimes we play on the streets and then a car comes we have to, we have to stop and, and yeah. go to the side you know something like that so it, it will be fun. It
9: absolutely sounds fun. That's amazing. And so I see that uh, I I saw on your website that you actually have some uh, Filipino celebrities coming. uh, Oh, yeah.
10: Um, uh, Every year we are actually supported by the Filipino channel, the biggest television station in the Philippines. So every year they send us a uh, a movie star. Wow. Yes. Uh, And uh, they, they take care of all the expenses for that. You see, we are a non-profit group, so we cannot we cannot just spend money like that. But then, you know, aside from the uh, the, the movie actor that's coming there this year, I am excited because just this morning, I got confirmation that we have people from North Dakota wow. and um, Minnesota coming and participating in the parade. That's excellent. I yeah.
9: honestly, like, I didn't even know there was many Filipinos in, those, oh, yeah. <laughs> in North <laughs> Me Dakota. Too. Me too, yeah. <laughs> And so... Again, it is a two-day celebration, and what other things can people expect? Will there be food? Because you know everybody seems to love Filipinos. Well,
10: that's food. the only that's the only thing that really keeps uh, the uh, the Filipinos together, right? <laughs> food, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because during this festival you'll you'll see f- uh, different Filipino foods that are not available in Filipino restaurants oh. in the city. Yeah, and and we call this uh, street foods. Ah.
9: So what kind of street food can you, people expect?
10: Well, for one, I, I don't know if you've heard of um, the um, um, word kwek It's uh-huh. actually quail's egg, um, buttered quail's eggs and deep fried. Mm. So that's one. Like, uh, there's more. So you have to be there. <laughs> so yeah, I guess to find out, you'll have yes. to show
9: up. Uh, so one thing I also read on your website, and it really stood out to me, it said, we are created to relate with one another and meaningful relational Uh, relational growth can only occur in an environment where relationship is encouraged no matter where we are born in this beautiful earth starting with our family our barangay our city our province and our country which is absolutely true when it comes to the cultural mosaic of Canada so again thank you Lei, for coming today uh, to speak with us is there anything you would like to add before I let you go
10: well uh, only that you know we're inviting everyone and really experience this um, this festival because it's something really unique you won't see this uh in folklorama only Mm -hmm. at the festival
9: that's very awesome so once again be sure to check out the manitoba filipino street festival this weekend for some delicious food awesome entertainment and an amazing time you won't want to miss it
0: Thanks, Sonny. We've got time for some more music on RC 360. So here's Pachula Clark with I Couldn't Live Without Your Love right here on RC 360.
1: patula clark with i couldn't live without your love here on river city 360 nolan and robert here with you today and now here's bert Campford with free as a bird right here on rc360
0: That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And a huge thank you to all of our guests at the Manitoba Museum at the Ivan Franco Museum and at the Manitoba Filipino Street Festival happening this weekend as
1: well. If you'd like to hear more episodes of RC360 and of our past episodes, or if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you can visit our website. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org.
0: River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7
1: FM CJNU. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Uh, If you have any comments, if you'd like to request a song or suggest a topic for a future show, maybe there's a particular museum or archive in Manitoba that you'd like to see us go on our next road trip to. Give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Our listener line is open 24-7, so it doesn't matter when you're listening. Just pick up the phone, give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also send an email to rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org as well.
0: You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at River City 360 on Twitter and River City 360 on Facebook as well. I'm
1: Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.